movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 53, and it is now our spooky season. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this is our first Halloween-themed episode of the year, because we're now in October, guys. Yes! <laughs> I, I feel like, and maybe I am... Among the very few, or whatever, I uh, I don't get as excited for October as most people. I think it just feels like another month. You do or don't? I don't. Like I don't. I don't get as excited. It's okay to be wrong. Wow. Okay. I'm being attacked. I well, guess. I mean, okay. I don't get more excited for October. It's just that I'm naturally always in the mood for Halloween. Cause it's just <laughs> nice to see Halloween stuff everywhere now. Fair enough. I'll give it to you. But, uh, Josh, how you doing tonight? I am, uh, hanging out, man. <laughs> it's, uh, we've got a stressful month coming up. Um, we got four And your shows. computer's not helping you out any. Yeah, uh, for, you know, our, our listening audience, I've been, like, working on getting a, a laptop up and running so that we can improve the qual- the audio quality, right? Um... But every time I fix something, something else decides to to not work. Like I was on the cusp of being able to record tonight with it, but uh, I it was like, hey, you need to update before you use the software. It was like, okay, that's fine. So I hit the restart button, and it pops up, and it's like seventy eight things need to update. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. I'm just picturing like those old school cartoons of like a sinking ship, and like yep. the cartoon character plugs the hole, and like another three pop up. <laughs> it's exactly what it feels like. Uh, but um, so our main discussion for tonight um, is in honor of it now starting the Halloween season officially, we're going to look at actors that started their career in horror because that's almost a very solid start for a lot of actors is to start in low budget horror that they really pray to God that you never see. But we're going to talk about them and relive those memories for those actors. Um, but before we get to that, we have so, so much movie news this week. And oh, all totally. of it is big news, too. Yeah, like I think you you were saying before this, almost all of this could be headline news. Yeah, like all of any other week. Any one of these stories could be top stories, but as it stands, yeah. So, uh, kicking us off is the big one. The one that we've all been hoping came true. Um, A few weeks back, I had a small rant against Sony and how they handled their deal with Disney. Well, it's Um, all good now. Spider-Man yeah. is staying in the MCU, at least for now, as Sony yeah. and Disney have uh, made up, they've kissed and made up, and now Spider-Man is back for one more solo movie, which they better start getting working on that real soon, because they've announced a release date of July 2021 for the next Spider-Man in the MCU, Jeez. as well as a one more appearance um, for Spider-Man, so like an Avengers-type movie. So he's got one appearance and one solo movie. Um, yes, just yes. <laughs> yeah. The, and as we'll uh, talk about here in a little bit, this was just the beginning of a real, well, this just capped off a really, really good week. If you're a dude named Kevin Feige. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But um, also a really the, good week if you're Tom Holland. But again, we'll also get into that later. Yes. Oh, Josh, I, I what was your first well. reaction to hearing this news? Um, I was. I think I t- texted you like as the first, as soon as I saw it because I, both of us were. I'm ecstatic about this. Also, I, I went and did some more like research. <gasps> as I know, I, I, and you know, if anybody knows, I was actually kind Josh of. Josh never does research. I know, and I'm actually kind of prepared for tonight's episode too. So there's that too. Um, but because uh, I was curious as to what was different about the deal, because it was they it, all the, the. It's a little uh, different. The fine yeah, print stuff is. is different. Yeah, it was something like Disney was only getting like five percent, and it's been up to twenty five now. As opposed, not to only whatever. was it five percent, it was five percent of opening night, so like five yes. percent of the Thursday box office type thing. Yeah, I I couldn't I I do, can't remember couldn't remember off the t- off my feet right now what, what it was, but yeah, it, it's well because then then the whole reason the negotiations dropped was because they were like, no, we want fifty. And so he was like, no. Which so, I've never fully bought those reports. I always thought yeah. that Sony just kind of wanted out no matter what the deal was. Um, yeah. And that's something we'll get into later. Uh, no, I'll use that as our transition for our next story. Um, but I, I'm like everyone else. I think this is great news because people love the Tom Holland Spider-Man and he wasn't going anywhere uh, with his new deal, but he's so much better when he's in the MCU and it was allowed to play with other Avengers. Now the deal makes yeah. it sound like he will not only um, be in the MCU, but he'll also be allowed to show up in the venom verse too. Yeah, which will be interesting uh, to say the least. Cause I, as much as Venom was not as good as I think we, we all wanted it to be, um, it, I think it could benefit from like a, a Spider-Man appearance. Yeah, I think that's that was the only reason I think people went that opening weekend was the hope and maybe expectation that Tom Holland would come in in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, from what I understood, he actually did film a cameo as. Peter Parker not suited up or anything and Marvel shot it down. Um, I'm still under the impression that in the next couple years, Spider-Man is going to be owned by Marvel wholesale. Um, Some people are are already running with the rumors. And again, this is just rumors. And I do not buy this for a second that um, now that this deal has been done in the next standalone Spider-Man movie, Kevin Feige is working on a way to phase out Spider-Man. And so he gets like a proper exit. I don't Which is a think good that's idea. happening. I um, I think if anything, there it would be the smart thing to try to do that. Just See, I'm not. Case. Yeah, I'm not opposed to Spider Man leaving the MCU. I was opposed to how abruptly he was like ripped out of the MCU. Yeah. If we have time yeah, to yeah, mentally yeah, yeah. prepare ourselves for it, I think it's that's going to be better. Well, it, that in Far From Home isn't exactly the send off that you would you'd want it to be. Yeah, it's not a bad movie, but coming off the heels of Homecoming, it was just fine. Yeah. Far Spider-Man, Far From Home, now available on Blu-ray and 4K. But, um... Yeah, I mean, yeah. But more, I, it's, it, it's... This is a good thing all is, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, uh, it got me thinking, what... Do you think that one appearance for Tom Holland will end up being? 
if it is a an Avengers movie, I'm curious as to how they're going to keep him out of all of the build to that Avengers movie. Maybe they tease it at the end of the next Spider-Man. But the thing is with Spider-Man, he could just pop up. And right now, the MCU kind of needs him because Cap's not there. Iron Man's not there. They're phasing out Hawkeye. Black Widow's not there. Thor only has a few movies left. And and the new characters aren't resonating as much as the originals. Yeah, especially Captain Marvel is not ready to, to helm this ship yet. I think Disney wants Captain Marvel, but... People aren't responding to Captain Marvel like they did Captain America and Iron Man. Oh, absolutely. Because she... Honestly, I think more people... At least when I was in the theater, uh, every single time that I saw Endgame in theater, more people reacted to Scarlet Witch than Captain Marvel. I I would agree with that. And I think she is one of the strongest characters going into this new phase. Yes. Outside of Spider-Man. Getting yeah, getting back to it, the MCU I think kind of needs Spider Man. So I th- I think this is like a test the water for this new deal. I think they'll work another deal out after this. I think Spider Man's not going away anytime soon. This is this is just what both parties needed. This was a good choice. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad both studios on both ends were mature enough to come back to the table and be like, okay, we may have overreacted. Both parties overreacted and were like, okay, let's let's get back to things that the fans want. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would completely agree with on that. Now, we said Kevin Feige was having a really, really good week. And that's because yes. only a few days before this came out, he was announced to be producing a new Star Wars movie as well, which I found super ironic that this Spider-Man deal gets done a couple days after this Star Wars announcement because one of the catalysts for why Sony and Marvel, quote-unquote, broke up was Sony claiming, well, we think Kevin Feige has too much on his plate with the X-Men and Fantastic Four. Uh, We think he might be too busy to do a Spider-Man movie. And Lucasfilm goes, hey, Kevin, want to do a movie? Yeah. <laughs> Which also, I've heard some people suggest that maybe um, Sony knew about Kevin Feige doing a Star Wars movie, and they had an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, and they couldn't uh, say it. Say that he was in Star Wars. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, but Kevin Feige's doing Star Wars. What well, What's interesting to me would be what project they give him. Yes. Um, so me and my dumb brain. Um, when I first saw Kevin Feige doing a Star Wars movie, my initial reaction was actually panic, of all things. Um, because I misinterpreted as Kevin Feige is directing a Star Wars movie instead of overseeing one. And I just went, um, um, Kevin Feige's never directed anything before. This is a bad idea, guys. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, uh, he's being a producer. I think... This is exactly the shot in the arm that Star Wars needs right now. Um, it's not an exaggeration to say that the Star Wars fan base is not really at its peak right now. Um, uh, this is going to sound really horrible to say because I like most of the new stuff. Um, but I don't think Disney has handled Lucasfilm extremely well since they bought it. And I think the main issue that they've had is a lack of general direction 
I don't think Kathleen Kennedy has necessarily been the best um, president of Lucasfilm because she's very much indecisive of, yes, we'll have this director. Oh, that's not going in line with what we want. We're going to fire you even though there's only two weeks left. Um, or Ryan Johnson, you can make your own movie even if it's not really attached to Force Awakens. I love Force Awakens. I really like Last Jedi. But the two of them feel very much like standalone movies and don't really connect to each other incredibly well. I think my biggest issue with these Disney Star Wars movies is there's no clear end goal. Like, these don't feel very connected. And they don't... At times, they do, but they don't feel like Star Wars. And Kevin Feige, better than anything else, is a long-term storytelling guy. Look what he did with Marvel. He essentially made it. TV show, except with movies, like a 23-episode TV series with movies. Yeah, exactly. Great payoff. Um, Yeah, he did it with great characters and great story, which, as much as I like Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, Star Wars right now needs Kevin Feige. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think that yeah, like if you want someone that's going to do uh, some quote-unquote world building, like Ken Feige's your guy, man. Now, this has led to some very interesting speculation, and I I don't know if I buy into this, um, but I think it's absolutely within the realm of possibility that uh, Kathleen Kennedy recently signed a contract extension uh, for her job as president of Lucasfilm through 2021. What do you think the odds are that in the next five to ten years, we could see Kevin Feige leave his position at Marvel to take Kathleen Kennedy's spot at Star Wars? I wouldn't be surprised. I would not I be mean, surprised either. It would be a lateral move. He's already had proven success in Marvel. But the thing is, he likes Marvel. He loves Star Wars. Yeah. He's a I think huge he- Star Wars nut. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is going to be um, whether or not, if he does make that move, whether or not the Marvel ship drives itself or not. Yeah, it makes me wonder, um, are the pieces in place? Like, has Kevin Feige started building up a core of other producers and overseers in his stead? Like, if you ha- if Kevin Feige had to leave today, who would you put in charge of Marvel? Oh, geez. Um, I've got two names, but I'll see if you can uh, think of any. Maybe John Favreau? That's exactly one of the names I was going with. Yeah, because he's he's been with them since the beginning. Yeah, Favreau. And then I'd also, if you can tempt them back with enough money, because I know they just recently left, but the Russos. I can see that as well. Um, but I think Kevin Feige going to Star Wars is exactly the shot in the arm. I think this is a test to see how it goes. Um, but rest assured, I don't think this is the last Star Wars movie that Kevin Feige is going to be doing. Now, I will put my tinfoil hat on um, and say that the film that he's producing is the Star Wars movie that Ryan, the beginning of the trilogy that Ryan Johnson was going to do that I don't think he's attached to anymore. Yeah, because they've been oddly quiet about that. Yeah, they've also been oddly quiet about the Benioff and Weiss trilogy, but I think that's still happening. Uh, and that more or less, I 
seem to think that's Old Republic. But oh goodness, if you told me Kevin Feige is producing an Old Republic trilogy, oh dude, oh just I'm so down with that. And he's doing a long term story, and the finale of the trilogy is an end game level battle between thousands upon thousands of Jedi and thousands upon thousands of Sith. Oh, yeah, because that, that's really what I want at this point. I do. Like, I know, I remember when I was a kid, people crapped on that scene in Attack of the Clones in the Battle of Geonosis when all the uh, Jedi come out. I was like, that was awesome. Now, if you have Sith on the other side, that's even better. That's something I've never seen before in a Star Wars movie, and I desperately want to. I've only ever seen it cut scenes for old Star Wars games. But large-scale lightsaber fights would be epic. Um, but... You don't hire Kevin Feige because of the spectacle. You hire Kevin Feige because of his character work. Um, there's a great analysis of why the MCU movies work. And most action movies, people go to see the action, the adventure, and the um, character moments come second. It's actually flipped for MCU moments. Uh, the things that people remember most are the, on your left, um, the little character and actions yeah. here and there, more so than the action. That's where Kevin Feige really... That's his thing. He he's put so much love and care into the MCU, and I can only hope that he puts that level of love and care into Star Wars that I will always love Star Wars. And I don't think the current regime is necessarily bad, but it lacks a clear direction at times of, yeah, let's just kind of throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Solo? Sure, why not? Um, whatever else? Just, yeah, why not? Exactly. At this point, like as much as, you know, some Star Wars fans would sit here and be like and say, like, just stop, stop making Star Wars movies. It's oh, not, I hate the fans they're gonna that make... are like it's worse now than ever before. And I'm like, you yeah, are all the same up. fans that thought the prequels are the worst thing ever. So now you're all saying the the new movies are worse than the prequels. Come on. They're they're just here for to be gripe him, complain and say that the original trilogy is the is the only Star Wars that should exist, which is stupid, but still. Which even then, you can nitpick the crap out of the originals, too. You really can. Um, but I agree. I think you, you you want a direction? Go here. That That's exactly where what you want to do. Um, I can totally see them building that off of whatever trilogy they're about to do now and off the back of The Mandalorian. Yes, which before we get to our last um, Star Wars-related thing, um, Chris Evans, after it was announced that, um, Kevin Feige would be doing a Star Wars movie, more or less volunteered himself. He's just like, I would, I want to be in this movie. Um, besides Chris Evans, is there any MCU actors that you would love to see in a Star Wars movie? Um, honestly, uh, Chris, so Chris Evans, yes. Um... I go with my homeboy, Frank Grillo, who played Crossbones. Yeah, I, I can see that. As a bounty hunter. I uh, I almost want Robert, Dar- uh, Robert Downey Jr., but as a yeah. droid, as like a sassy C-3PO. Well, we're also, we're already getting Taika Waititi in The Mandalorian. Exactly. So, like, why not, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. 
Sebastian Stan. <laughs> that that still freaks me out. Okay, guys, what Josh was talking about, if you have not seen it, Sebastian Stan looks exactly like young Mark Hamill. It's a little creepy. Look up it, Sebastian Stan, Sebastian Stan, Mark Hamill, and it's a little unnerving. It really is terrifying. But um yeah, they could do something with that. But yeah, no, I, I think um you know be really cool? Uh, if, um, Michael B. Jordan was in the Star Wars universe as like a rebel leader or something. That'd be cool. He might be tied up with the new Matrix though. I've heard rumor of him being Morpheus. Um, so transitioning to some other form of Star Wars, we have the Obi-Wan series. It's going to be on Disney plus. Now that was officially announced at D23 this year and all the world rejoiced, even though, um, Ewan McGregor missed a perfectly good opportunity when he came on stage. He should have opened it with, hello there. And he didn't, and it still to this day annoys me. Um, but we got some seemingly not that big of news, but if you really delve into it, this news is huge. So, um, Disney just hired the director for this Obi-Wan series in Deborah Chow. Now, that may not seem like a big deal until you actually look at, um what Deborah Chow's credentials are going into this as a director of a TV show. And oh my gosh, I didn't think I could get any more excited for an Obi-Wan series, but I'm more excited. So I've got her IMDb IMDb page up right now of things that she's done. She's directed a couple episodes of The Mandalorian, so clearly Disney sees something in her of what she's done with The Mandalorian. And also she knows Star Wars. Yeah, that trailer alone would, I, I would, yes, please. She's directed episodes of Better Call Saul, The uh, American Gods, Mr. Robot, Man in the High Castle, Lost in Space, Jessica Jones, uh, Fear the Walking Dead, um, Turn. Like, this woman not just has uh, credits in the TV world, but, like, multiple-time Emmy Award-winning shows. Yeah. So... As we always say, it never hurts to add talent. And oh my gosh, they they yeah. may have knocked this one out of the park. Yeah, oh totally. So we'll 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 see. Like, and it'd be really really interesting if an Obi Wan TV show had the kind of tone that the Mandalorian had. I kind of hope it does. Do you think? Oh no, never mind. Because Mandalorian said after Return of the Jedi, I was going to say, is there any form of a crossover? But no, Mandalorian's. Many years after. Yeah, I was going to say, technically speaking, you could be be a Force ghost, and I don't know why a Force ghost would be showing up in Mandalorian. Or the Mandalorian himself is on Tatooine for just a quick scene or something. It'd be interesting. I mean, there's no way for us to tell how old he is, so... Either way, they just keep adding more and more great things to this Obi-Wan series, and I'm beyond excited uh, naturally. Now, this next Ewan McGregor-related thing, I can't say I'm excited for, nor can I say I'm really all that surprised. So, um, early Tuesday morning, the new trailer for The Birds of Prey dropped. There's so much going on with this, so much to break down. Um, first of all, the official title is... 
The Birds of Prey, and The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And boy, do they beat you over the head with Harley Quinn in this trailer, and I'm not a fan of that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, from what I get, <laughs> the movie is, from this trailer, if you base, the, base what the movie's about off, off this trailer alone, the movie is about Harley, who has emancipated herself from, from Joker, now has another dude trying to control her. Which and this is about Black her Mask and her. Harley Quinn. I never thought really had any form of a connection. Like at I didn't all. think so either. So I'm curious how they'll do that. But also, didn't we hear rumors that Black Mask is supposed to be gay in this movie? Which is, I thought that too. And watching it, watching the movie, some of the stuff, the way that he says certain things makes me think other otherwise. So I don't I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. Um however some of the violence in this uh, trailer looks brutal. The the and maybe it's the wrestler in me, but the drop kick that um Harley does like towards the end, like I popped for it because it looks gorgeous and it looks like it, she's literally killing somebody. So I'm not a huge fan of this trailer for a lot of different reasons. Um, the, it's all over the place. I genuinely have no idea what the story is, which you could say, oh, it's just a, a first trailer. But again, this movie's only five months away. This comes out Valentine's Day, and I I really don't know what's going on with this movie. I was already having some serious reservations about this because there's rumors of really extensive reshoots, uh, that just now finished recently. And so this trailer really did not help qualm any of those nerves that I have for this movie. Uh, costuming? No one looks anything... It doesn't look like a comic book movie, really, at all. Yeah. Um, Which, but also, you know what? It, that might be on purpose. For a movie called Birds of Prey, the Birds of Prey barely are in this movie. Yeah, at least in the trailer, um, Huntress only has one line. Uh, Black Canary only has like one line, and I actually had to look at the cast list of Renee Montoya's in this movie, who also looks nothing like the material. Like they aged up Montoya by like fifteen to twenty years for this movie for some reason. Yeah, um, which I'm not a fan of because I actually like the character of Renee Montoya. Um, uh, just a lot of this trailer just did not land with me. Uh, the humor, the, just how overtly... Like, I really like Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. I think she's one of the best things about Suicide Squad. But it seems too Harley heavy. Of uh, Hey, you guys liked Harley Quinn. Now you'll like her even more for this, right? Right? Um, and... I don't know. It just seems all over the place. It seems sloppy, um, which kind of goes in line with some of the backstage rumors that we're hearing about this movie. Um, It just looks all over the place. I'm not okay with the fact that Black Mask isn't wearing a mask at all in this movie, uh, at least in the trailer. However, there is some Black Masks in the trailer. Yes. Which you like blink and you miss it of when Harley has this like Marilyn Monroe type moment. The dancers in the background are wearing black masks. Yep. So um, 
I, I'm. This is gonna sound weird, but unless the next trailer like really really wows me, this may be the first DC movie in years that I don't see in theaters. That's yeah. how much I didn't like this trailer, and how much I'm so on the fence about this movie. I mean, it, it could be worse, honestly. Um, yeah, and this is I coming from know. someone that saw Suicide Squad opening night. Th- that's also true. I, uh, <sighs> yeah, I don't know, dude. There's some it, some things that I I kind of liked, but a lot of things that I stands out as wow. This makes me have to see it, which is the job yeah. of the trailers to get you excited for a movie. It, I was already kind of on the fence, and I'm even more on the fence now. Yeah. I, Although, how I great know, was man. it seeing the hyenas? I, uh, dude, I, I, I kind of got excited for the hyenas. Yeah. I was just like, oh, that's a nice touch. It is. And, like, how sweet she's being with them, too. That really made me laugh. Like, oh, I was like, yes. So... I can't also That's be the only one who thought this. See. Of at the very end of the trailer, when it's her and apparently it's Cassandra Kane that's in the car with her at the end, which I'm going, um, aren't you a little young for Cassandra Kane? Uh, when they're in a car together and Harley's driving, tell me that doesn't remind you of Deadpool and Dopinder. Yep. Right down to the humor, just the way it's shot, the yep. character interactions. I'm like, I feel like you're ripping off Deadpool here. Which I had, like, heard, I had heard when they pitched this movie, they're like, it's Harley's version of Deadpool, to which I'm just going, that's a bad idea. That's a very bad idea. Because yeah, fundamentally, it, Deadpool and Harley are vastly different characters. Oh, completely. It's another example of, well, Deadpool works, so let's do that type of approach for a movie of like trying to fit us square into a round hole it just it it doesn't work nothing about this trailer really got me excited if anything i'm more nervous about this movie i want it to do well i want these movies to keep on their trend of enjoyable fun movies but i'm nervous about this one in all honesty yeah i i don't know man there's only one one way to find out if it's good or not. <laughs> um, which means they'll drop a trailer like a month before the movie comes out. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, Zombieland 2 comes out in like two weeks and we still only have one trailer. I'm very concerned about that. I I, I actually don't think I, I'm... I don't think I'll even try to see it. I will just because I don't have a worst movie of the year yet. Worst movie of the year yet. Well, I have one, but even that's not truly not, awful. See, but even that, I see. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think this will be that bad. But you know, I it's could got be a wrong. chance. Um, so next up, this also could have easily been a top news topic for us, but in this jam-packed week, it is one, two, three, four, fifth down, and it's <laughs> Uncharted related. Any normally yeah. anything Uncharted, re- even remotely related. Top of the list, of course, here at Uncharted Media. But this week it's fifth. But yep. it is very, very promising news. Um, so a few weeks back, we said that the director that was attached to the Uncharted movie, uh, I think Josh Trek, Josh something Trachtenberg, the guy that did 10 Cloverfield Lane, exited the project yep. due to creative differences with Sony. 
um, rumors about uh, how Sony wanted to portray certain characters and how the director wanted to treat them. Um, but that's neither here nor there. And we said that Sony was rapidly trying to find a replacement for the director, and they were hoping to find it within a month or so. Well, that's exactly what they did. And, oh my gosh, did they upgrade. No offense to the other director. I've heard Tenant Cloverfield Lane is pretty good. But, oh my gosh, Sony, I think, absolutely nailed this. So, um, the director that they now have attached to direct the Uncharted movie is Bumblebee and Kubo and the Two Strings director Travis Knight, who was previously up for um, the directing duties for something <laughs> recently, wasn't it? Uh, for Venom 2. Sorry, I'm still laughing at duties. Um, uh, <laughs> he lost out to um, somebody for Venom 2, but I remember he was attached to that. But, oh my gosh, Travis this is a Knight. Great, dude, that's this a is massive a great upgrade. Sign. No offense to the other guy. But Travis Knight is a much better option for Uncharted. Oh, I agree. So, I have not seen it, but Josh, you have seen Kubo and the Two Strings, right? Yes, I have. And? I love, that movie has a special place in my heart. It's a Leica movie, isn't it? It is. Which, unfortunately, those movies do not do very well in the theaters. No, they don't, but... They like it, they do well. They they got cult following, is what I would say. Couple and the Two Strings is an incredible film, both in story and in what they're able to do with the actual animation. Yeah, um, I heard amazing things about Couple and the Two Strings. Once I can actually find it, it's incredibly hard to find. Once I actually can get my hands on it. Believe me, I will watch it for homework. The movie I'm more familiar with Travis, with Travis Knight being a part of is Bumblebee, which, oh my gosh, did he give um, the Transformers franchise the desperately needed CPR that it needed with Bumblebee. I loved Bumblebee. It was so surprisingly good. Um, of Transformers was a beaten and broken down franchise of Bayhem. Um, <laughs> Michael Bay just ground that franchise to the ground. It became the laughing stock. And then Travis Knight comes along and does Bumblebee, a much smaller scale, intimate, Iron Giant-esque story. But I need to have like an Iron Giant jar um, right next to your How to Train Your Dragon jar. Um, But he told this really great story with Bumblebee. And now, yes, please. Now, can this director stay attached for more than three months before he leaves? Um, and now can we actually get some forward progress? Tom Holland is still attached. I firmly believe now, with Travis Knight attached to it, that we'll actually start making some progress. Josh, do you yeah, think that? I, or do you think, uh, nope, this Uncharted project is is just doomed? I really want it to get some headway now. Um, I think with having this this kind of a big move to this director right now. Cause the big thing about Travis is he's like, he's hot right now. Like after Kubo and, and Bumblebee, like he's, he's, he's hot. So, you know, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if we finally get some headway. Um, I will say though, but time um, will tell since he did Bumblebee, how familiar are you with the uncharted games? Uh, not at all. <sighs> Do you know any, how, how many of the characters do you know? Um, Besides Nathan Drake. 
Yep. <laughs> never mind then. I had a good yeah. idea of how to connect Bumblebee, but never mind then. Good grief. Yeah, dude. Hey, man. We both know that I don't. I don't like. I play a lot of video games, but what I about don't Last play. of Us? How familiar are you with that? Oh yeah, I played through the first one. Because I was about to say, don't forget, Last of Us for you PlayStation Plus users is one of your free games of the month from PlayStation Plus. It is, and um, oh. I just need a small mini moment here of Uh-oh. how much I dislike the Arkham Knight now. Oh boy, here we go. Because <laughs> it was free on the PS PS4 uh, PSN network, right? And so I played. I play. I get. I, to my credit, I gave it like two to three hours worth of gameplay. But you know what? If I when I feel like Batman can solve this problem without his stinking car, Tank. then. Ugh, I'm so done. I'm so over that game. And like even I like I had the ending spoiled for me already, but like the game's been out for a few years. So I even if really... you hadn't gotten the ending spoiled, you who yeah. has read more than a single Batman comic in your life could dude, figure it out within the first 15 minutes. Dude, it's just in the first conversation. It was so transparent of who Arkham Knight is. I was like, it are was, you serious? It was so obvious that I was just like, it can't be that obvious. It was that obvious type of thing. Yeah, it is frustrating. Um, but getting back to Uncharted, Travis Knight, I think, is absolutely a great choice here. Now, can we get some other casting news besides Tom Holland? And can we start making some actual headway? Because I I highly doubt this movie's coming out and it's scheduled release date of next Christmas. Um, I just want some form of forward progress. Um, which... Josh, speaking of forward progress, once we're off mic, remind me, there is an update on the Nightwing thing about the Nightwing. Oh, really? There is, actually. Um, But that's not an official news thing, so we won't cover it here. Um, But what is an official news thing is one of Josh's beloved franchise, the Kingsman movies. Kingsman dropped a new trailer a few days ago for the new movie just called The Kingsman, which is a prequel uh, in the series set in World War One, and oh my gosh, this is the trailer that you should have opened with. Yeah, this oh, was absolutely. such a much better trailer than I thought. The first trailer was just kind of okay. This trailer was amazing. It, if anything, so the difference between the difference is nine day. The first one felt like something for a Steven Spielberg movie. And I was like, this is not Kingsman. I don't know what that this is. Whereas this felt like a Kingsman movie. Yes. And also, um, you got a really good sense of how stacked the cast is for this movie. Um, so in the first trailer, we saw that Ray Fiennes was our main character. We saw more of him in this trailer, but we've got, our boy, one of the most underrated actors out there today, Jaiman Hansu, is in it, looking awesome. Um, oh, yeah. One of the people I think is one of the most underrated actresses out there, just because she's been attached to some really bad movies, uh, Gemma Arterton from Prince of Persia. She's great. I look forward to seeing her in this. Um, I didn't know Brian Head Welch slash Rob Zombie was an actor. <laughs> Because I'm assuming that character's Rasputin, because I, I look yeah. at him and I immediately thought, aren't you the lead singer of Korn? He, like, and it was funny, too, because at first I thought, like, oh, like, you know, that's, this is, at this 
particular ball or whatever they're at. Like they're, they're bringing in all sorts of people. Oh, this is so interesting, blah, blah, blah. And then like, uh, then the, my movie brain took over and I was like, or he's the movie villain. And I was like, Oh damn. Which, you know, Kingsman, as much as I like the Kingsman movies, their villains have always been a bit interesting. I'll go with that. Yeah. So I think this could be the first, like, actually good villain. Like, n- not to knock Samuel L. Jackson, but you can't be really intimidating when you when you have a lift like this. Which, I, Unless I you're Mike agree. Tyson. I agree, but I think there was something about Samuel Jackson's villain that was also unique as far as, like, a spy villain goes. True. Um, but yeah, the villain looks really cool. The action and just set pieces felt more like Kingsman than the first trailer. Like you said... Uh, the first trailer was so dark and dramatic, like it was trying to be an Oscar bait movie. But this, the action was shot and felt like a Kingsman, but a early version of Kingsman. But not to the point of just like, well, here's the clear story beats of, well, this is where it's going to end up because it's a prequel. Like, I like that with this movie, since it's so far removed from the uh, first Kingsman movie, any one of these characters can die. And I yeah, like absolutely. that. Absolutely. I don't feel good about Jaiman Hansu making it to the end of this movie, but... Nope. <laughs> or Jim Arterton. But the action looked spot on. Uh, the only thing that didn't really work for me in this trailer is at the very end, that like forced humor of Ray Fiennes like, has his backpack. He's just like, it's called a parachute. It's so that you can jump out of a plane. I was like, eh, that seems a little forced, but... Everything else really worked for me. For me, the thing that made that scene for me is, um, ah, what is his name? Oh, it's the the black guy. The, the, ah, my goodness. Jaiman Hansu. Yeah, Jaiman. The look on his face goes from, okay, but why would you like want to jump out of a plane all in like one look? And I, that's what sold me for that. Fair enough. Uh, so our next news story is one that like broke right as we were getting ready to do the podcast last week. So this is kind of older news, but the next Jurassic World movie, whenever that may come out, uh, Jurassic World 3 is what we'll call it for now, adds the original actors from the very first Jurassic Park with Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum, all three of them reprising their roles from the original Jurassic Park. And apparently not just as extended cameos, but like as significant roles in the next Jurassic movie. To which my immediate reaction is, well, pressing the panic button a little bit too hard there, aren't you? Oh, I, yep. Yeah. I mean, exactly I, I what I thought as soon as I saw this was, yeah. well, you were nervous about Fallen Kingdom, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fallen Kingdom is garbage i hate that movie yes it's cool to see them come back i really want to know how much they had to pay sam neill to come back yeah because it's literally just jurassic park 3 all over again of him just like you can't pay me enough to come back oh hey money but also um it's not surprising that jeff goldblum came back because he was literally in fallen kingdom granted it was only like five minutes but he warned us all of what would happen, and sure enough, now there's dinosaurs everywhere. Um, yeah. I think 
I think the next Jurassic will be better. We have director Colin Trevorrow coming back, who did the first Jurassic World. J.A. Bayona is not coming back, who did Fallen Kingdom. Um, and so, spoiler alert, uh, the next Jurassic World will definitely show the world is now infested with dinosaurs after that idiot clone child ruined the world. Um, with that premise and with the rest of the original cast coming back, Josh... How are you feeling about this next Jurassic movie? I could not care less. <laughs> yeah, I want I gen- to care, but I've never cared that much about Jurassic Park. It was a little before my time. Like, I was I, born the year it came out, so... Yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Uh, when, I love the first one. I think it's great. The When they did the first remake, or the this the most, the first of this most recent one, was it Jurassic World? Yeah. Um... I actually, uh, there was a part of me that got kind of excited. And honestly, Jurassic World is not that bad. It's cool. Yeah, I, 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 I know people it. crap on it. I enjoy it. I actually kind of look forward to, in this new movie, seeing uh, Sam Neill's character, um, Alan Grant, working with Chris Pratt's character. I think that'd be really cool. I agree. There's some really interesting dynamics that could potentially happen. And the thing that worked for me for Jurassic World is it felt different enough from all of the past Jurassic Parks that I felt like I was on a new adventure. Whereas you go, then you do Fallen Kingdom and it feels exactly like two and three. Yeah. Jurassic World was the force awakens of Jurassic Park. Whereas it was Fallen Kingdom was not. And it was bad. Yeah. So this has to take the cake for the weirdest news topic. We've well, not as, maybe not the weirdest. I still think the weirdest news topic we've ever covered is Hans Zimmer doing the music for a SpongeBob movie. Um, that, yeah, but this has to be up there. So Sony likes to put the cart before the horse when they announce their Spider-Man movies. We have a Morbius movie, which actually is coming out. That is happening. Uh, but they announced a while back that we're going to get a Sinister Six movie, a Craven movie, all these different movies in the Spider Verse that still have yet to come out. Uh, but they announced they're working on a Madam Web Spider-Man movie. So if you're unfamiliar, and naturally so, because Madam Web is like a deep-cut Spider-Man character, um, Madam Web is this woman that lives in a multiverse of Spider-Man and more or less holds the threads that hold the Spider-Verse together. Think, for yeah. those of you who know Flash... Um, think the speed force that Barry Allen taps into, uh, like this place that lets him go through space and time. It's kind of, there's kind of something like that for Spider-Man that only people with Spider-Man abilities can tap into. It's super weird. Um, but Madam Web is at the center of it. If you ever played any Spider-Man game whatsoever, she's probably in it. Uh, she's not a good guy, not a bad guy. She's just in this web and it's kind of bizarre. Um, and pointless. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless I've heard this theory, and I actually kind of see some credence to it. Madam Web is how we connect the MCU, Tom Holland, to the Spider Verse. No, to the Venom Verse. Interesting. Okay. Like, so we'll have Doctor Strange do his in the multiverse of madness or whatever for the MCU. And then we have a separate multiverse for Spider-Man of 
if you wanted to do that live action Spider Verse movie that's always been talked about and teased, you'd use Madam Web to do it. But having a whole movie revolve around her, ah, don't think that's the best idea. Yeah, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Uh, Josh, what interactions or knowledge do you have about Madam Web, and why is this a bad idea? I have no interactions with her. I uh, don't know anything about her. Um, but if because this is this is not animated, right? This is no. This live is action. supposed to be live action. Uh, then I have is no clue. The because that played the original Aunt May still alive. Oh, she'd be great. She'd, she'd be, be great awesome, and that'd be a nice multiverse twist. It would be, um, cause oh, dang, well, dang, there, there goes my theories out the window then, because I, uh, I was thinking because of the animated one, when they go in between the round, like when they go into the, you know, yes, the that's a good between, example. So in, there's uh, all, those, Josh, those, all those webs. Yeah. Piggybacking, explaining off of what Josh was saying in, in the Spider-Verse, the animated movie, um, when Miles like. Not Miles, because he doesn't go anywhere. When all the characters um, come to Peter. Miles, um, there's like that little in-between world. That's the Spider-Verse world. Yeah, and th- there's all those fabrics of uh, web that are connecting all the different spi- like universes. Threads, if so, you will. Like, from what, what I'm thinking... Yeah, exactly. Uh, th- I, the only thing I can think of is for... Kingpin to try to do it all over again, but then like Madam Web comes out and is like, "Hey, you should uh, I don't know, cut that out." But like that's the only thing I can think Not of. Not only because, Kingpin, like, it's Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. Yes, but like at the same time, like why? Yeah, I I fully expect this to be one of those that they announce but never actually ends up happening. Yeah. Um, so for our last news topic of the day before we get into our main discussion. Netflix's Stranger Things, by far their most popular show that they've ever done. They have finally officially announced that they are doing a season four. It seemed like a given, but it hadn't officially been announced. Now, season four is here with a small teaser that just kind of showed the upside down with a tagline. We're not in Hawkins anymore. Um, so where Josh, are we? Do you, what do you think with that tagline? Well... I've heard a couple, a couple people kind of like fight back a little bit already. Um, someone was saying, "Well, if it's not you know the main cast, they don't want to. They want don't want a season four, which begs the question: Why would why would people think that just because it's not in Hawkins, when half of the family of Hawkins has left? Yeah, I was just about to uh, say they most of the people in Hawkins moved away. I interpreted it as. It's not a threat for just Hawkins anymore. It's a global threat. Yeah, exactly. That's what I you're caught up, right? Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for the spoiler alert for those who aren't familiar with it, the end of season three, it seems like the Russians have a demogorgon with them. So clearly, they found a portal, and it seems like Hawkins isn't the only one that has issues with demogorgons and the upside down now. Um, exactly. So that's kind of what I interpret it as is this is no longer a threat for just Hawkins. This is an everywhere threat that the kids need to take 
more or less save the world now and not just Hawkins. Um, I'm going on record now. This is the final season. Yeah, I would agree. I um, think Netflix I also... was always clear that this was never meant to be a long-running show. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Netflix doesn't have long shows. They, like, cancel things for some reason after two or three seasons because they don't want to pay people. Um, <laughs> and they can't afford to pay people big money. Yeah. Um, the, but the I think it's best away- to go out like Breaking Bad of just go out while you're still hot. Um, I agree. And I think that, you know, if that's the, you know, that this isn't just a problem for uh, Hawkins anymore. It's a problem for everyone, which I do feel is set up from season three. I feel that, yeah, that's, that's what you want to go out on that. That's your, that's your end game. Um, I that also right there, just kind of the end game. Yeah. I also kind of realized, um, it's not Hawkins. We're, we're not in Hawkins anymore. Or whatever. Uh, that's very reminiscent of the Wizard of Oz. It is exactly Wizard of Oz. So, um, the other thing that some people have brought up that I find very interesting is um, one of so uh, Stranger Things obviously mentions a lot of '80s pop culture because that's when it's set. But one thing mm-hmm. that got mentioned a bunch in season three that could uh, tease events for season four is that it mentioned Back to the Future quite a bit. Um. So I'd be very curious. If um, any of the story beats from Back to the Future end up weaving their way into season four, like season one of Stranger Things was very reminiscent of E.T. and had a lot of echoing of that. Um, Yeah. I'd be very curious if they do anything Back to the Future time, maybe not necessarily time travel, but I don't know. That's just me spitballing. Also, Hopper's not dead. I don't don't know. I really hope that there's not time travel. Um, because you hate time I, travel I, I, by and large in movies. It, generally speaking, yes. I, I, I kind of treat time travel the same way that Rick and Morty kind of approach it. Like, once you do that, it's it's hard to, to keep everything straight. Yeah. I, I think it's best to end the show while it's still on top before you ruin it. Also, Hopper's not dead. No, no. Why would he be dead? Absolutely not. He's got to come back at the last minute and save the day. Um let Winori Ryder be happy for once. Jeez. I'm only okay with time travel in uh, Stranger Things if they go back in time and save Alexi. Why her? I mean, so why, wait. Alexi's so a why, dude. He's no, Slurpee I'm guy. Sorry, 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 sorry. That, that, my brain crossed wires there. Um, no, we're and, saving Slurpee, man. I'm going to know. That's fine. But like Alexi, but also, um, what was her name? Bob. Donna? Donna from the first season? Oh, um, Barb. Barb, sorry. You are not even close, man. Dude, I mean, it was, hey, that's a typical also, 80s. I don't care about Barb. It's going to make me sound horrible, <laughs> but she was in two episodes. Yep, not with you. But it, it'd be, yeah, it, I, I don't know. Only well, if, like, he holds the key, but I doubt that that scenario will play out. Well, let's transition away from Strange Things. Josh, you got a sponsor for us this week? Um, geez, man. Not really. Uh, I'm really bad. I've been really bad on these sponsors lately. I'm sorry. Now it's October. This episode is sponsored by Universal's Halloween Horror Nights. I've already been three times and I can't get enough. As I'm drinking out of my Horror Nights mug as we're recording this. 
I would not even be surprised. Oh, no, it's great. Um, but like we said, this is October, so we get to talk about our favorite things. Halloween, horror movies. It's our official month that we designate. We had a lot of them last year, and so we're going to do it again this year. And so Josh suggested to kick us off, we talk about actors that kicked it off in horror because in almost <laughs> no other genre can you see so many actors that would be great being less than great. Uh, Josh, why do you think actors start off in horror movies? Um, part, partly because sometimes that's all you can get. Um, <laughs> uh, I, but on the same token, like it's also the easiest in my thought, in, in my thought process, at least for these, for the actors on this list, uh, and a lot it, at a certain time period, it was the easiest movies to get into. Yeah. You, you're not going to get paid the most cause horror doesn't really pay. At least when you're first starting out, you don't necessarily have to have the biggest talent in the world for it. Correct. But that's not to say that the, the people that are on this list are not talented because, Oh no, geez, some of these people are some of the best actors to grace the planet. And I feel pretty confident saying most of these movies I have not seen because yes. they're like below B level movies. Yes. But everybody's got to start somewhere, and horror is like the easiest place to start in for a lot of actors. Um, some of them are like known for their early stuff. Case in point, Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street. He is like, yes, he's now famous for Jack Sparrow, um, Jack Sparrow in other movies that he really shouldn't be Jack Sparrow in. Um, <laughs> Jack Sparrow. Basically, ever since Pirates of the Caribbean, he's just been the same character. But he used to have some diversity to him. Um, he used to, yes. And then he did Lone Ranger. Um, but, like, that's the yes, one that did. everyone always, like, kind of goes to with actors that started in horror movies. And the top of the list is always Johnny Depp and Nightmare on Elm Street with the really amazing kill of falling through a bed and exploding into a pool of blood. Yep. Like how how else do you, are you gonna be? Because that's the first one, isn't it? Yep. I th- like first kill. You mean? No. The the the. I'm sorry. The the first movie in that yep. series. That's the very first movie in the series, and this actually predates his work on Twenty One Jump Street, which is like the thing that he really broke out on. Which oh yeah. Quick side tangent. Loved his cameo in the actual Twenty One Jump Street movie. Absolutely. Only to I, be uh, shot. Have you have you ever seen the just real quick? Have you ever seen the original Twenty One Jump Street? Uh, the series? No. Yes, he's actually incredible on it. So yeah, Johnny Depp can be a good actor when he wants to be. He just has not no, chosen to be one for the past decade. Mordecai. Yeah, well, you know, you can kind of get away with some certain things nowadays. Um, uh, but so the other big name that often comes up with um, actors that start in horror besides Johnny Depp is Kevin Bacon in Friday the 13th. And this is going to sound horrible, but Kevin Bacon is the only actor that's come out of Friday the 13th that's really actually ever done anything. Well, yeah, because the Friday the 13th series is terrible. Uh, Not wholly, but... Yes, wholly. No, I will defend 4, 6, Jason X, Freddy vs. Jason. 
Okay, no, 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 no. Hold on. Hold the phone right now because I anytime I bring up Jason X, you treat me like I'm a, I'm like covered no, in leprosy. No, I treat you like an idiot when you talk about Halloween Resurrection. Okay, fair enough. No, Jason X <laughs> knows what it is. Jason X also has my favorite kill in the entire series with the um uh with the dry ice. Oh, yes. Uh, I also like the one. Yeah, in... that mm, let's not talk about that one. Uh, but Kevin the, Bacon the Jason, yeah. is like, before his tremor days, he was Friday the 13th, which it's weird to me that um, in almost any of like the Friday the 13th, like uh, commemorative or like behind the scenes videos, Kevin Bacon like never shows up. So whether the dude was just like not proud to be associated with the franchise or what, I don't know what. His deal is, but I, like, never see him with anything Friday the 13th related. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, but, I mean, it's Kevin Bacon. He's always working, so. It's true. He's got six degrees of separation from himself. Yeah, geez, man. Um, also, quick side tangent. Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween will not be on this list because she actually had quite a few uh, TV appearances before she landed that role. She was on quite a few TV shows uh, I believe she was actually on a show with her mom at one point before she yeah, I think if I got the right role on well. Halloween. So uh, that's one of her earliest roles, but and she's one of my favorite horror movie characters ever, but she will not be on this list. Um, yeah. But I, I take that back. There was somebody else in the Friday the 13th uh, series in one of the best uh, films in the franchise, which Josh can attest to because he hasn't seen almost half the movies in Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th Part <laughs> 4 actually gave birth to another, I want to say good actor, but it more weird actor than anything else. This You'll know what I'm talking about when I say Crispin Glover. Um, <laughs> so many different thoughts come out when I say Crispin Glover. That man is weird. But it, sure enough, sounds, we got to start honestly, in, ho- in not Halloween, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which is part four. Okay. <laughs> As this awkward, awkwardly dancing dude that gets killed with a corkscrew. Um, which they bring back the, uh, the like, quote unquote corkscrew kill for Jason X. So Did they? Yeah, because they, uh, remember when he drops that girl on the, that drill bit and she likes, oh <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I was with that and, um, the kill from Halloween six mixed up with Jamie, yep. which we'll talk about Halloween six. Now that's actually a perfect transition. Um, You're welcome. Halloween six <laughs> is not one of the best in the Halloween franchise. We've covered that before. Um, curse of Michael Myers is just awful, but it did introduce the world to a little-known actor known as Paul Stephen Rudd, and he has not aged since that movie. He he's one of those men that has ne- the dust doesn't age. Him and um, oh jeez, Andy Samberg just have not aged. True. Um. Yeah. Paul Rudd. Most people know like his first role that people like got super familiar with him was on Friends as Phoebe's boyfriend. But no. His role in Halloween 6 actually predated even that. Um, he's not good in that movie. Like, at all. No. He's pretty bad. But 
I I don't know if that's his fault with inexperience or just the fact that the movie's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Have you even seen that one, Josh? I've seen his performances. <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, not his best work. Uh, the another name that often gets thrown around with actors that started in horror before anything else is also another Friends alum, Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun. Oh my goodness! Of all the movies, too, like Leprechaun, man. Ugh. And oh, she is so baby faced in that movie. I mean, she's baby faced in general, but yes. Uh now, Josh, have you seen the first or any of the Leprechaun movies? I've seen bits and pieces of the first one. Yeah, I've tried um, to watch the first. It is... I don't get how people are scared of it. It's so bad. It just it just hurts. It's like... It's not even, like, entertainingly stupid. It's... It's just stupid stupid. And the yeah. fourth... There's one that he, like, goes to the hood. There's one that he goes to space. Thank God the Halloween franchise has never gone to space. Because, like, that's kind of the stop of every horror franchise. At some point, you got to go to space. Uh, Friday the 13th, Hellraiser, Leprechaun. You know it's bad when you have Hornswoggle as your main villain at one point in the franchise. Yeah. mm. And what was it, Leprechaun Origins? But, yes, Jennifer Aniston got her start. In Leprechaun, and I'm sure she looks back on that fondly now. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so let's all these names are people that have been in the bubble for a while. Uh, let's go with a younger name, uh, someone that's been in quite a few horror movies now, none that are widely acclaimed as good or anything. Carrie remake. Uh, but Chloe Grace Moretz actually got her start in the remake of the Amityville Horror with Ryan Reynolds as the little daughter. And she's so ridiculously young in that movie. It is, you forget that it's Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, as well as another young actress that started in horror, Abigail Breslin as the little daughter in Signs. Aw. Which is, I think, uh, I'll have to glance at it real quick, but I'm pretty sure that Signs is, I think, the most popular. Uh, no, there might be one thing more popular than than Signs on this list. It's not Children of the Corn 3. No, but I mean, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That refers to the movie, not the show. Oh, God. Yeah, that's what I'm just like. I don't know how well the movie did. Yeah, okay, never mind then. But yeah, let's actually, now that you bring it up, Josh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, not the show, introduced the world to not one, but two actors. Um, I believe both of these are Academy Award winning actors, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. I know one of them is uh, for Million Dollar Baby. That's right, Hilary Swank uh, got her start. In the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. But also a certain Batman got his start in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's right, Ben Affleck. Before he was Goodwill Hunting, he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Jeez, I can't... I can't even imagine him. I can't... No, he's... (sighs) So, yes, before he got to play the Bat, 
He was in Vampire Slayer. So yes, we can make the Twilight jokes all the time about Battinson, but there's still the Bat connection with um, Affleck as well. That's just... I can't... I can't imagine the same guy who's in The Town and in Goodwill Hunting being in a Buffy the, the, the Vampire Slayer movie. Although I can, just because, yes, that's current Ben Affleck. Old Ben Affleck made a lot of bad film choices. Y- yes, y- yes, he did. Pearl Harbor, Daredevil, Geely. But as big of a name as Ben Affleck is, let's go for some of the really like, distinguished, multi-time Academy Award-winning actors that also got their start in rather unfortunate horror movies. We talked earlier about Children of the Corn 3, which just sounds sad. Um, But I believe this actress has won at least one Academy Award, maybe more. Charlize Theron, who was most recently in Fast and Furious, got her start in Children of the Corn 3, not even Jeez. as a credited character. She's just an extra. Jeez. But hey, Ugh. everybody got to start somewhere, man. Well, is but isn't that like the same situation that uh, Elkhart is in uh, the... Um, oh, geez. In... What's that terrible Nicolas Cage movie? Um, All of them? No, the one with... By M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan and Cage did a movie together? Yeah, it's uh, the Wicker Man, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shyamalan did not do the Wicker Man. Who did it then? And that's not a terrible movie. That's the world's greatest comedy. <laughs> okay, yes, but no, Shyamalan. Oh, if Shyamalan did the Wicker Man, man. Oh, but no, yeah, because uh, the Wicker uh, Man is Nicolas Cage. He's burning himself. <laughs> um. No, because uh, Eric Elkhart is in the final scene. Aaron Eckhart. Aaron, gosh. Aaron man, Eckhart I... is not in the final scene. He's just a random cop in the bar. Yeah, no, that was my point. End... He was just, he's just kind of there. Yeah, and no he's not lines, accredited. Nothing. At the, I think you're thinking at the end of um, Wicker Man, I remember the scene. It is Josh Hartnett, I think, and James Franco. Yeah, it's super random. Not as random as Aaron Eckhart as an extra in a bar with no line yeah. in Wicker Man. And he and he's not accredited in it at all. Because I remember so we like, watched it and we're like, wait, is that, is that Aaron yeah, Eckhart? Yeah, he just showed up. <laughs> um, but yeah, Charlize Theron, completely uncredited extra in Children of the Corn 3. Not even the good Children of the Corn, if there is one. Uh, the first one's not bad. It, not great. Yeah. Um, let's go with America's dad, Tom Hanks. I mean, yeah, he is America's dad. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, if anybody exu- exuberated, uh, exuberated, 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 exu. I tell you what, dude, I am like on a roll with words today. So, uh huh. But. Everyone knows uh, Tom Hanks got to start with two really big movies with Splash and Big. Before those, he was in a like D-level horror movie no, called He Knows You're Not Alone, which that just screams excellence. 
I mean, it does. It sounds exactly like the quality that we get, and I know what you did last summer. Which I actually almost put that on this list because that introduced the world to a certain actress known as Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes. Um, and it was like Freddie Prince Jr.'s like fourth movie. But oh, he, yeah. Acting is in his blood, so that that he didn't get a start with horror like Sarah Michelle Gellar nah. did. Um, no. Nah. But yeah, I've seen pictures of this Tom Hanks movie, and oh my gosh, is this B level, B C D level? It it's bad. Um, <laughs> but we've got even bigger names up the food chain: George Clooney, back to back, like the first two films that he has credits for. Both are horror movies. Both are incredibly low budget, and both sound terrible. But I want to watch them at all costs. So. The first movie he did uh, was a movie called Return to Horror High, in which case he was a nighttime security guard that gets killed in a hallway. Yeah. Like, but the one that he's more known for, and I, I desperately want to find this movie, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I've heard this movie is laughable, and but like as kind of like... Like The Room or Plan 9 from Outer Space. Not scary way. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> or Trolls 2. Um, actually, oh, fun side tangent. Speaking of Troll 2, I wasn't going to bring it up, but there was an actress that made her debut in the first Trolls movie. Oh? Not the animated one, the actual live-action one. Seinfeld's Julie Louise Dreyfus. Really? Debuted in Troll. No way. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Uh, and our last name on our list that we have today, one of the biggest names in Hollywood today that I can't stand, and I think he's vastly overrated, but um, I know I'm I'm very much in the minority, but I'm willing to die on that hill. Leonardo DiCaprio. Jeez, man. He debuted in another threequel, like Charlie Theron with Children of the Corn 3, Leonardo DiCaprio appeared in Critters 3. Um, I've briefly heard of the Critters franchise. Isn't it like a knockoff of Gremlins, I think? That's what I understand. But that is that really his, his debut, though? Before What's Eating Gil- Gilbert Grape, he was in Critters 3. No way. Well, because that, that was always like my thought process was like, What's eating Gilbert Grape? It was his like first thing he ever did. Granted, don't get me wrong. Yeah, there it is. Critters three. Well, there come. And I'm sure he looks back on that fi- fondly now as he stares longingly at his Academy Award, going, "It was all yeah. worth it. I slept inside of a bear, but I can't get away from Critters three. It's unfortunate because, I mean, just the Academy Award thing, it's unfortunate because he, he definitely deserved it before then, but yes. Yeah. Um, no, you be quiet. Gary um, Oldman deserves it more, dang it. I mean, you're not wrong, but yeah, that's crazy though. Critters 3. Jeez, man. Like we've said, everyone's got to get their start somewhere, even if it's in B-level horror movies that you pray no one will see and hope Oh, also, one last one. This guy's not a really big-name talent, but fun fact. Greg Sestero from The Room made his debut in Puppet Master 5. 
what in the world? <laughs> We're really like pulling these out of nowhere, man. The only reason I know that is because I've read the Disaster Artist book, and he talks about that was his big break was in a movie called Puppet Master Five. Jeez. Which I'm just like, that just screams talent right there. Also, quick side tangent. If you haven't seen Disaster Artist, see it. It's wonderful. I've actually, yeah, I've actually watched it the other day. It's quite good. It's it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, everybody's got their gotta get their start somewhere. It's even if it's low budget horror, it's never a bad thing to take those type of jobs. Um, who's your favorite type of actor that started off in not necessarily the best movies. Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether that's um, iTunes, Google Play, Google Music, uh, Spotify, or YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on the main YouTube channel at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.